0: day, this hour, this time, this season, for we've been born of the Spirit of God. We've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're so grateful, so thankful for your strength, your power, your might. We're thankful for the relationship that we have with you, the covenant relationship through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are bound to you. Because of that covenant, you declared you'd never leave us or forsake us. Should be with us wherever we go. So we ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that we might recognize and have spiritual understanding that wherever we are, you are there with us. And because of the covenant, you are there to help, to strengthen, to guide, to assist, to teach us, to show us, to reveal to us. You're not afar off somewhere, but it's in you that we live, in you that we move. And in you that we have our very being. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. That you live on the inside of us. To teach us. To guide us. To strengthen and empower us. That you come amongst us as the anointing of God. To break yokes of bondage. To bring healing to our bodies. To break the deception of the enemy. To bind up brokenness. We thank you for utterance by the Holy Spirit to speak as we ought to speak this morning. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to us individually, to us as a body, in our generation. That we might leave different than we came. We might leave with impartations of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you have planned for us in our day, in our life, in the days to come. And so we thank you. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart, in every mind, in every body, In every situation, by your word and your spirit, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be with you all. Just want to welcome you. God has some great things in store. I mean, we've already been blessed, haven't we? Man, I'll tell you what, the word's gone forth. We've just uh, received, we are able to get into the presence of God through worship. So why don't you give the worship team a big uh, hand and just express how much you thank them uh, for leading us into that presence of God. Amen. Look at somebody next to you, say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Hallelujah. That is a covenant confession. A covenant confession. Not just something out of thin air. Really, it's, it's the Bible. We have it right there on our doors as you leave. But God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So when we're in Him in covenant, there is victory available. There's triumph available. Sometimes we get our our mind set differently. We're like, why is this trouble happening? Well, the enemy came, but it's not about the trouble that you're incurring. It's the victory that you'll have as you stay in oneness with him. So some people just quit right away when trouble happens instead of going, okay, well, the enemy's brought the trouble. But thanks be unto God, Jesus gives me the victory. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Thanks be unto God, it's Jesus that gives me the victory. So some people are looking for no trouble. That won't happen. Jesus said, as long as you're in this world, there'll be trouble, tribulation. But be of good cheer. (laughs) Come on, the church. People need to look at the church and go, man, you act like you have no trouble. Oh, no, I have plenty of it. Well, how can you be so cheerful? Because I can be of good cheer. Because Jesus has overcome the world. And I'm in him, and he's in me. If he overcame, then I can't help but overcome Praise the Lord. So he never wanted you to be overcome by circumstances, but circumstances are coming. He wants you to be an overcomer. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's just good news. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, again, just to remind you, corporate prayer starts uh, and, and really we're, we're launching up. We went through most of the year. Just we took a little bit about a two-month break. Uh, God dealt with me, said, you know, you're, you're, you're slipping on your personal time. You have that, that time with the staff. But I want you to take a couple months and really just just dive into me a little bit deeper. And then we go back uh, to this. But really, we're praying in December uh, into the new year. And so, uh, you know, for many years, and many churches do this, they start January the 1st and start praying about the new year. And something about last year, uh, I mean, all that's good. We've done it for years. But something about last year seemed like the Holy Spirit was saying, if you wait till then, you'll be behind for the year. So go ahead and start in December, pray into the new year. As we began to do that, he said, I want you to be praying into the next two years. And so we took a long time praying uh, into not just 2023, but 2024. We're going to continue to pray into 2024. And uh, I'm just telling you, um, it's going to be an exciting year. And some of the things that we're going to be talking about uh, We want to be praying about because uh, with this year coming up, and I just want to tell you in these covenant connections that we're talking about, and we'll bring them never again, never again as the body of Christ, should we let, should we let politics, pandemics, whatever the course of this world dictate to us how we relate to one another, right? Never again. Trouble that comes to the world, divide us. It's a strategy of the devil, right? So what if you have your opinion? We all do. We're Americans. We have a right to have our opinion. But what we resolve, since we know we're different, we have different giftings, it causes us to look at life in different ways. But what we do know, no matter how we look at it, there's something on the inside of us that causes us to embrace and love one another in spite of it. Until we get it figured out. There's a figuring out, not a pressure of who's right and who's wrong, because we know the Holy Ghost is always right. He's the spirit of truth. And sometimes we just abandon that. Bless God, I'm right because of the people I agree with. Come on. Can't let NBC, CBS, Fox News, any of that dictate to us where we're going to land in our relationship and what we're going to do. Doesn't matter who. We listen to too much stuff and all of a sudden we're arguing with each other and we just fall right into the strategy of the enemy. We're all divided over stuff. And then when you look at it, it doesn't make any sense. So I believe we're going to come into, you know, that wasn't it. It wasn't like, woo, well that happened, now it's never going to happen again. Well, like I said, Jesus said as long as you're here in this world, there'll be difficulty, there'll be trouble. But be of good cheer because I've overcome. I've overcome the world. Amen? And so... uh, these, these things we're talking about, I believe, are very, very important. We'll be praying into some of them. But these relationships are God-ordained. They're divine relationships. And they've fallen apart, I'll tell you in just a moment. You know, the enemy had a strategy a long time ago. And uh, uh, God deals with generations, generally three generations. So we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, most, how they proclaim that, but three generations. Well, the enemy's been working for about three generations. And if we look at the third generation, man, they're confused. But we let some things happen to these relationships that I believe are very important. And I believe if we can restore them, we'll see a revival, a great end-time revival uh, that we've maybe never even thought of. We've heard about, but we haven't seen before. But it won't come from fragmented covenant relationships. Because really, you can't have an ongoing covenant relationship and have it fragmented. Praise the Lord. All right, so we're praying. And then uh, just to let you know, uh, today, I'm I'm letting you know, uh, as we normally do, our custom is uh, that we will receive a, a Christmas bonus offering for our missionaries. And so you can be praying about that planning on that, and we'll receive that offering for our missionaries uh, for their Christmas bonus on December the 17th, Sunday, December the 17th, so pray about that. Y'all are always very generous to them. They rely upon, uh, you know, not, not a paycheck, but they rely upon monthly giving, and uh, especially the ones who are overseas, they can't go get a job, uh, so their, their, their income is fixed, so Christmas comes around. They have children, family, whatever. It's just nice to get a little bit of a Christmas bonus. So we started that, felt led of God to do that. Uh, If you don't get one, I apologize for that uh, wherever you work, but we just want to be a blessing to them. Amen? And if you said, well, I don't get one where I work, would you like one? Well, then it's good to sow into somebody else's and watch what God does. Amen? (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right, open your Bibles with me to uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, some, as we go through this, some scriptures that will be really familiar to you, and uh, praise the Lord, can you help me, Jerry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down here, y'all, if you can change the lights, great, if you can't change the lights, sorry, I'm just, I'm feeling led to be a little bit closer, y'all spread out on me, and I'm coming to get you, <laughs> <laughs> praise the Lord. So we're we're talking about uh, covenant connections, and they're very important. So we're going to talk on three levels as we go through this. uh, And you may say, well, it's Christmas time. Can't we talk about Christmas? We are. God sent Jesus so that we could enter into a covenant with him. And the story about Jesus coming uh, uh, pure and spotless, living his life as a man, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, dying on the cross with our sin upon him. Shedding his blood brought us into covenant. Couldn't happen unless he was first born without sin. So everything we're talking about this covenant was all purposed in Christ, in God, when he sent Jesus in that form uh, through a virgin. So that he would have spotless, sinless blood. Amen? So we might get to that. But we're talking about these connections threefold, really, our, our covenant with God. Covenant through family in marriage, we talked about a little bit moving into this. And then our covenant that we have with each other in the body of Christ. So uh, each one of those diminishes a little bit. We think about our covenant with God through Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I have a covenant with God. And and certainly our understanding of that breaks down in some ways. But then you get to that place in marriage and the the bond of that covenant uh, can get weaker. You know, say, well, uh, you know, this isn't really... A God thing, I picked my wife or I picked my husband, and no, the moment you made that covenant, God was overseeing the vow that you made to each other. And We've read about that. Malachi, uh, uh, there in the message translation, really emphasizes that. So that, that's a little bit diminished, and then when we think about church, we almost think of it like a social group or where we come when we need something had people call and get mad at me, you know, people who don't believe in giving, one time they'll call, oh, all that offering giving stuff, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, then they'll get in trouble, they'll call the church, could you give me some offering? Well, we could, except for you don't believe in it. See, and the devil does that to try to get a backwards movement, cause offenses to come in some way or another. But so these mindsets that, that we talked about earlier, how we kind of got into this, is we were talking about mindset, so important, how you think, the, what's set in your thinking. And, and there's very important areas. Your family, your relationship with God, your church, your finances are all mindsets that we have. We view them in a certain way. And so we were looking to crack that nut open, and I kept going back. I couldn't get away from it in my prayer time. Nobody will see this correctly if they don't have a mindset of covenant. But if you view your finances through covenant with God, changes how you think. View your marriage through a relationship, a covenant that God has set up, changes. You view your church relationships not in what you get out of it, but what you bring to it together and connected together to change how you think about it, right? Change, all that changes how you look at why you're in your job and the people around you. Instead of being around all these people who don't know Jesus and why am I here, you all of a sudden go, well, everybody at my job, none of them know Jesus. In fact, some of them hate him. I know exactly why I'm here. Right? Instead of wondering, why did God put me with all these sinners? Which a lot of Christians do. Like, God, help me. Why did you put me here? And we go, I know exactly why I'm here. Because I have a covenant with God. And I'm one with him. So wherever I go, then I represent him to people who don't know him. All right? And so we're going to dive into this just a little bit here. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ engrafted into Christ, in covenant with him. If anyone is in Christ, then he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. And now, somebody say now. Now. And now everything is of God. So he's talking covenant here, right? If you've been here, we went through that process of covenant. And so we get engrafted by the blood of Jesus. Now we exchange our old life, and we receive his life. So if we've done that, if we've, if we've confessed Jesus as our master, our Lord, our, our covenant partner, then now we, old things have passed away. We gave it to him. And now he gave us his life. Now everything is new. And this new life is his life. This new life is his life. Not our life. It's his life. Now we start to question that because we don't understand covenant. Well, wait a minute. Part of it's my life, part of it's his. No, we accept we gave him our old life, dominated by sin. He gave us his life, controlled and dominated by the Spirit of the living God. So he says, old things have passed away, behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God who has. Somebody say has. Yes. Has already, through the blood of Jesus, reconciled us to himself. What does that word reconcile mean? Restore to right relationship, right? So the right relationship is the Spirit of God in us in us in Him. Sin broke that. Sin took that away. So Jesus reconciled us back to the Spirit of God living in us, transforming who we are, the very nature that's on the inside of us. So He's reconciled us to God. Go on. He says, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, Isn't that nice? So he said, every single one of us who's been born again, who've been reconciled, now we've been called into a ministry of reconciliation. So uh, what is that? I'm looking for God's will for my life. What's my calling? The ministry of reconciliation. What is that? Isn't it nice he told us exactly what that is? That we go tell people who don't know that God's not waiting to uh, impute or hold their sin against them. See, we've looked at people in the past and we've said, man, turn to burn, baby. God's got watching you. He's ready to send you to hell. Well, no, that's not the gospel. Mm -hmm. And the gospel is also not God loves you so much you can get away with anything. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that God's not in heaven waiting to judge you for your sin. God sent Jesus so you could have mercy and not have your sin held against you. But you could be washed of your sin and joined to God. He said, isn't that simple? You've experienced that. I'm just, I've called you to tell people. So he says, so now we are ambassadors of Christ. Mm -hmm. Ambassadors. So that means representatives of Christ. Well, he dwells in us. So he said, what's a representative? We can go into a lot of it. Let's just put it this way. I heard one minister say it like this. Just just, uh, phonetically spell it out. To represent Christ. So because Christ dwells in us, and he said, I'm the light of the world. And he said, now you're the light of the world. What's he saying? I put my light in you, so take my light and represent my light wherever you go. So now when we see this and we understand covenant, we go, that's not that big a deal. Because I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I realize who I am. I'm in him. He's in me. If I just let what's in me be seen, I represent him. Well, why would I want to do that? Because somebody who doesn't know him needs to know him. Amen. Amen. So he said, we're represented as Christ as if God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Why would you be reconciled? Because he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we no longer have to live under sin, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So he said there's a divine purpose to your transformation, to my transformation. And that is others can see it and know it and enter into that same covenant with God. And that covenant means we're one with him. We're in Christ. New creation, one with him. Listen to Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Paul says this, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. The Passion Translation, I like it. It says it like this. My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Wow. So that this is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. Or if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. See, we've gotten grace into something that's kind of superficial. He said, I never treat the grace of God as something minor or set to the side. The grace of God has empowered me to live this new life in him. Empowered me to do what? Live according to the covenant. All right, we'll shift gears here a little bit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31. Ephesians 5 talks about marriage, the role of a husband and a wife. In 31, it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Somebody say "One one flesh. Praise the Lord. There's a oneness. In every covenant, there is a oneness. Everything I have and everything I am belongs to you. And everything you have and everything you are belongs to me. Why we spent all that time just talking about the process of the covenant, really the ceremony of the covenant. There's so much in that to declare who you used to be, going in the figure eight, coming face to face, who you now are. There's always a change in covenant and a binding together for good, for strength in covenant. So, again, we talked about the different levels of this maybe diminishing in our thinking. And because of that, the power of that covenant, the strength in that covenant could diminish. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, starting in verse 12, it says, For as the body, this particular scripture, this is a longer uh, because it takes a little bit more time to uh, grasp a hold of. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many our one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if, they're, uh, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow a greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God has composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that lacks it, that there should be no division or no schism within the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. What's he saying? The church, his church, is a body linked together, one Many join into one. There's a covenant that exists in the body of Christ. There's a covenant that exists in local church bodies. He's talking right here to a local church body. So we know the body of Christ. Paul said this in Ephesians. He says, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, from whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. So the body of Christ is universal. It's in this life, and it's in the life to come, Right? But when we're talking about church, local church bodies, and again, there can be some error fluctuation, but just for the sake of, uh, of easy uh, math, if you will, that uh, you know, we look at it and say, well, the church is wherever and anywhere I want to go, whatever I want to do. Well, God is, is equipping. God knows you, and God knows where he can equip you. And God knows where the people who are going to rub you the wrong way are. I know, and so he keeps you away from that. No, he puts you right there. So when they rub you the wrong way, you get to learn how to love. You get to learn how to cooperate. See, we think it's going to be easy street. God says, I'm going to put you in some difficult situations, but in a safe situation where when you're working through those things, you can learn to communicate. You can go back to my word. There's overseers to help you navigate that rather than bail and never develop in your spiritual life. And so, you know, uh, Tasha and I, we are married. We have a family. We have two girls, but we're a part of a greater family, right? My greater family, I have four siblings, three sisters, a brother, my mom and dad. Certainly we have aunts and uncle, uncles, so our Bentley family is more vast than just our family. But you all think, would think it might be a little bit strange if I just up one day and said, See y'all, I'm going to go live with my brother and his wife. Why? We're family. Was there something wrong between y'all? Oh, no. But we're family. I'll just go stay with whatever family I want. You would think that's strange. But yet in the church, we're all family. We just do whatever we want. But I think God has some more specifics, especially when you know. God's called me to a place. And then when he calls you to that place, it gets uncomfortable. So you're like, yeah, I'm out. I oh, he says, stay through it. Be patient. I'm working in you to will and to do of my good pleasure. I didn't say it was going to be easy. But the end would be, you'd be complete and entire, lacking nothing. So these relationships are incredibly important. All right? And so we're going to uh, uh, work on these three relationships. But let me come back just a little bit. <clears throat> I believe that over the last three generations and why these are, are, are incredibly important to us and we haven't recognized it and we're to a point we hardly even understand it. Because uh, uh, you know about three generations ago not in 40 years but where you see kids grow up and are now teenagers. But back in the day some of you won't even remember this and this will be a reason that they don't want you to remember this. <laughs> that we were a godly nation. A strong nation. Powerful nation, and even in our public schools, we said the pledge and we prayed, and some lessons and even learning to read came from Scripture, so that there would be a moral stability as our children were being raised in public. So the enemy didn't like that, so a long time ago, he started to stir up stuff. War was created, and he caused a movement to come to say, question all authority, which may have sounded like great, people are misusing authority, but what it came to was question God. Question God. Once they started to question God and say that they could think whatever they wanted to think, then the enemy came in and said, we're going to take this word of God, this prayer and word of God out of schools, so that we're not going to have that influence in our children. And then in the midst of that, he said, let's just have a sexual revolution, which did what? It started to come against marriage. And so you can start to see he started to bring in our culture a defiance To authority, which was God's authority, to break down what? Our covenant with God. Then he came in to, in the sexual revolution, to break down the family. So, well, how did that happen? We, We determined to go away from God. If it feels good, just do it. Come on. You don't have to listen to anybody. Nobody has to tell you. You just feel good. Do it. So sleep with whoever you want. Do whatever you want. And all of a sudden, we started having children out of marriage covenant. So it starts subtly, well, that's not a big deal. And, you know, we've seen a lot of single parents raise their kids. Praise God for all that. That's not what we're talking about. Nobody should leave with condemnation. It's a strategy of the enemy. People didn't see it. They didn't know it. But he was working something really big. And so families, God's plan for the family, we look in Scripture, scripture is What? a legacy of godliness, God-mindedness, a legacy. So we talked about that, marriage covenant, two people joining two families together. And from those two families, from those two, when they enter into intimacy, a child is conceived. And from the two of them, a child is born with the DNA of their two families. And they know, they know, grandma, grandpa, they know they're carrying on a legacy. They know who they are, and they know where they came from. But when you break the family down, and you've had... Multiple people in the house. You start to become confused. Where did I come from and who am I? Well, that might not seem like a big deal until you get to the third generation. Who you say, you don't know who you are? Let me tell you. You think you're a boy? You might be a girl. You think you should love a woman? No. Maybe you should love another man. Well, maybe that's who I am. No, that's not who you are, but you don't know because it started a long time ago to break down relationship with God, break down the family. And then society that used to honor God said, you know what, we we need to get everybody super busy and the only day, the only day that's really open for us to do sports with our kids is Sunday. To do any activity, to go to the lake, to do everything because we're too busy. So we take the Lord's Day And we make other things more important. Somebody said this. Said, when one generation makes church unimportant, the next generation will make it unnecessary. And so we had a generation get too busy and made it unimportant. And we're coming on a generation that doesn't know who they are, who God's created them to be. They don't even know biologically the proof of who they are, and they find church unnecessary. Well, why would all that happen? Is it just happen? It's no big deal? No, the enemy knows that these key covenants designed by God were holding a culture together and making it strong enough to get the gospel disseminated into all the world, and the enemy hated it, and he subtly over time broke it down. To at the third generation, we don't know who we are, we don't know who God is, and we think church is unnecessary. And we find weaknesses mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually throughout our culture. And the culture is not coming together stronger. See, they told you this is all what's causing the problem, but now it's taken away. We've got greater problems than we've ever had before. So well, thank you, Pastor. You've really depressed us. Well, no, because God's done something. Why we're talking about this? We have a covenant through Jesus Christ, and He can do things in time we never thought He could do. He can redeem time like nobody else can redeem time. He lives in eternity where things are the same. He can move. He can speed things up. He can cause things to. To move forward. But if we don't understand the importance of these three covenant connections, these relationships, and how important they were to bringing us to God, bringing family out and legacy being brought forth. And the church and the power and the union of the body of Christ to shine. And be all these come to be a reflection or a representing of Christ and God and his goodness and his character and his love and his power within the earth. If we can bring that back, there will be a revival. And what? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill all the earth. And I'm not just talking to the old people, young people who are here. I want you to listen. I don't want you to fall asleep on me. Snap out of it. It will affect you and your children's children if Jesus tarries more than mine. So we're talking in terms I don't understand. Covenant and stuff, that's what they wanted. They don't want you to understand covenant. They don't want you to pay attention. They want you to be bored by it. But it's powerful, and it will bless your life. So, let's just start with this simple definition of what covenant is. Covenant is a divinely created bond. Covenant is a divinely created bond. So, in these three covenant connections that I believe are very important, you have to know that they are designed divinely by God. The union, the covenant with him was created by him and for him and you. Marriage was divinely created by God for him and for you. The church was divinely created by God. And he bound us together, one body, many members. Family, one family, multiple members. Us with God, one union, multiple members. Us with him, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, us, four. Family, at least three, him, us, and however many kids. And then it goes beyond. The church, his body, multiple members, brought together as one. Bound together by blood. Bound together By and for life. I know people's minds are swirling. If you get locked into one thing, it'll throw you off. You mean life? You mean life? Like I'm committed here for life? (laughs) Lock the doors. (laughs) No, but when you understand it, your life will be connected. Your heart will be connected. Even if God takes you somewhere else. There will be connections. There will be understanding of what God did in this time. It won't just be I'm going somewhere else. There will be a, a, a move what God does because we understand covenant. All right? So it's, it, it's a divinely created bond. In that, it's, the bond is warranted. It's warrantied. Now, many of you don't know what a warranty is because you've never read one. <laughs> and I totally identify with that. Because right? it's usually in the part that tells you how to put something together. Why look at that? You just buy something, throw it there, look at all the screws, the packets, the pieces. I can do that until you end up with stuff left over. But in that same owner's manual, how to put it together, whatever, there's a warranty there that tells you this is what this is created for. And if you operate it like it's supposed to be, it will work for you. And if for some reason it doesn't, we will pay, we will fix it, we will make it brand new. But if you don't work it according to what it's created for and you break it, we don't fix it. So as we'll look at, there's parts to this covenant relationship that God said, this is how it works. If you don't pay attention to how it works, and then you say, well, it ain't working right, God do something, he says, well, you can't continue to work it wrong and have it work. But he'll say, once you come back to le- learning to work it right, we'll work it right. But outside of it, it doesn't work. So this divine, divinely created bond is warranted. but you have to understand warranty. As long as I stay within the guise or the bounds of that warranty... I am always protected, it's paid for, and whatever gets broke will be fixed by the creator, the hand of God. But if I go outside of that and break it, who's going to fix it? And so many people are going outside of that covenant and then wondering why they're not getting it fixed. And again, a lot of that comes to our culture and our society. I'm entitled whether or not I broke it or not, whether or not I paid attention to the rules, whether I filed the warranty or not. It's broken. You should fix it. But it doesn't work that way. But we've raised a generation that says, you fix it. It doesn't matter what I do. I can do whatever I want to. You just can't. And that gets really where lawlessness runs amok. And so when we start to understand how this works, so it's guaranteed, warrantied, if you will, right? And so as long as the covenant is operated by the terms in which it was created, God stands by it. He stands by it, right? And so if not, then the warranty is voided. And we see that throughout Scripture. So you can do a quick study, which I encourage you to do, of Deuteronomy chapter 28. I mean, it seems pretty harsh and 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 you got to go through the covenant, but that initial Mosaic covenant, when you look at that, he says, if you listen to this and you heed to the terms of this covenant, all of this blessing is going to come upon you and it will overtake you because you're in covenant with me. He said, but if you don't, you go outside of the terms of this warranty, there is stuff that's going to happen to mess your life up. And so in the covenant, covenant is like an umbrella, and it covers us. It's a covering. In fact, just just go real quick. We, I might have to modify here, but go to the 91st Psalm. Psalms 91. Now, many of you know this, but if you, if you enter into it in covenant thinking, not just like Well, why is bad stuff happening if this is written here? No. When you're in that place of covenant, this is what he says He who dwells in the secret place, dwells there, doesn't come and go at their own will, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, under the umbrella or under the wings, as he says, of the Almighty, of the Almighty of the almighty, not of the weak, not of the careless, not of the fragile, not of the powerless, under the shadow of the almighty. Wow. Come on, nothing that comes against you is mightier than the almighty. But if you're out from under the shadow, there's things that are way mightier than you. But under his shadow, there's nothing mightier than him. Power of the covenant. He, somebody who knows this, understands it, will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence, right? From the attacks of the enemy, however you want to put it there. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. In other words, get close to him, snuggle up to him. And when he puts his wings down, there's nothing that can penetrate his wings. Because you're in covenant with him. And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Not your opinion, his truth, shall be your shield your buckler. Praise the Lord. You shall be not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you Look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. So when we talk about this covenant being an umbrella. The 91st Psalm lays it out. Wow. But we're like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go see him on Sunday. Well, that's not dwelling in the secret place. It's separating. Well, I go to work one day, six days. And I go to church one day. No. He's my dwelling every day. I'm, I'm with him at work. I'm, work. I'm with him when I'm recreating. I'm with him wherever I go. So that's that place. He wants to, you know, the, the tragedies or the difficulties of life come to every single person. But when we're in covenant, he didn't say that umbrella, it won't come. In fact, he said a 1,000 would fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. In other words, it's coming at you. But it won't reach you when you're under his wing. So wait a minute, some things have reached me, and I've been coming to church. Yeah, but have you been living in covenant? You've been coming to church, but has he been living in you? Has he been directing your paths and your decisions because that's covenant? See, we can easily go, well, wait a minute, this ain't working because something happened to me. Well, wait a minute, you got to go through the whole thing. Has he been your refuge, your fortress, your dwelling place? Have you called him your refuge? Have you abided? Un, abided? Uh, has you, have you made your abode under his wings? Okay, pastor, that's, a, that's great, cool. I, I don't know how to do that. Awesome, that's why we're going here. Because the power of the enemy is darkness. What's darkness? Ignorance and deception. Ignorance and deception. So we're going to go through this to try to help us understand these relationships, how important they are, how they work. So you, most likely, I won't have time before people start deciding I'm not coming to hear that again. So we're going to give you pieces just to get some more knowledge and watch the benefit. And to grow in these things because where we are is the enemy deceived us thinking, taking prayer out of schools didn't win that big deal. Sexual revolution wasn't that big a deal. Questioning God and his authority wasn't that big a deal. But now we're here with a generation that is so confused and not knowing who they are, where they're going, or what they could do. That the impact of the church is minimal. But God wants a revival. Well, yeah, but bad things have happened to me and good people. Okay, but God's covenant is still true. His truth, again, not my opinion, not not my thought of it, His truth is my shield and my buckler. Not my opinion of his truth, not that I read the truth, but the application of his truth to my life protects me and guards me. So we're not talking about perfection here. We're just talking about, and again, I don't want to diminish it, but I want to give you a process or a progress anyway. It's about getting one leg up that you didn't have to say to the enemy, Never again. I'm in covenant with God. Well, sure, you go to church, you prayed that prayer. No. No, don't you tell me that. I'm not just going to church. He lives in me. And if you want to mess with him and the resurrection power of God, then let's do this. And what does the Bible say? He'll flee from you. The Bible says he will flee from you. But if he says, nope, nope, you go to church and all this, why is this happening? I don't know, I don't know. He won't flee. He'll continue to smack you. But we know I have a covenant with the Most High God. And what that means is I didn't just pray a prayer, I'm not just going to heaven. When I came, there was a divine exchange. My old life that you dominated Satan, I gave it to him. He nailed it to the cross with himself, and he gave me a brand new life. And my brand new life is his life, which executed victory over you. Praise the Lord. So that took quite a bit longer than the first service. So I'll figure out where we go from there. We'll be talking about five ingredients to these God divinely created relationships. There's five ingredients to them that when we recognize they're at work we're allowing them to be at work will find the bond bond of this covenant becoming more and more secure. The protection, the safety, the health that is within them to be more and more secure and powerful. The light and representation of God that shines from them will be more and more evident to people around us. Amen? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We're so grateful for the blood of Jesus Christ redeemed us unto God. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, in our generation. We saw what's happened, but we live right now. We've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Help us. Help those who've gone before. Help us to know how to communicate with the youngers. Give the Younger's ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to their generation. They truly might hear from the Spirit of truth and not be swayed by the doctrines of this world. That they wouldn't put it in a religious mindset and think it's not necessary, but they would see the relationship with you and the bond that exists between their relationship with you and the body of Christ is vital in the generation that we live in. You are our teacher, Holy Spirit. We depend upon you to bring light, revelation, wisdom, and understanding. That the darkness and deception that the enemy has propagated would be broken by the light, by the revelation of your word. That each one that has been bound in that darkness would be set free. And begin to see the truth of your word separate themselves from the things of this world and begin to live in such a freedom and a liberty that only Christ can make them free. We thank you for it. Move on every heart and on every life, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You can look up here. If you have need of prayer for anything, there will be altar workers up here. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or if through this time, we've talked about covenant, you're like, you know what, I need to just pray again. I need to rededicate my life knowing the power of that covenant. They'll be up here to pray with you, to stand with you. Uh, if you don't know how to pray, they'll help you to pray that prayer of salvation and uh, rededication to get you in that place of like, all right, all that stuff's gone today. The life of God's in me. I'm ready to make new decisions, new new pathways, walk with him every single day, and it's going to be awesome. Amen? One of the relationships that we're... Praise the Lord. Uh, one of the relationships, aren't you thankful for a good spouse? We're covenanted together. She, even though I remembered, she was at the point where I normally forget. So, uh, you know, we're talking about the body of Christ in this relationship, and we're just always so thrilled and and uh, really excited as people join, they go to Connect class, and they say, you know what, I want to be connected to this local church body. I want to become part of that that church family. And then when we see the covenanting together as we go through this, we'll see the power of that, and really the power of the church. We we saw this week, you know, one of our small groups, uh, the book of Daniel, small group, they all got together. need to get some of the details, but you know, our, our uh, uh, purpose is to love, lift, and reach people. So at the end of their group, they... They ask around, I don't know exactly how that got, but they ask uh, at one of the restaurants, is there anybody here who has had something take place in their life that they could use help? And so they got a name and they pooled together and they came to us and they were able to sit down with this gal that, to the best of my knowledge, did not know what or why and uh, just present her a love gift, a monetary love gift that was fairly sizable. And what I could see, they sent me a video. She was trying to figure out why and who and why would they do that. They were just sharing the love of God with her. But one person couldn't have done that. Well, maybe, you know, different people. But that group, one person probably couldn't have done that. But the six or seven of them said, let's find somebody that we can show the love of God to in a unique way. And why were they together in that small group? Because of this family of God. There's just so many dynamics of that. And so when somebody comes on into the family, we like to embrace them with that love. We want to show you who's coming on as family. Sometimes they've been here for a while, but they've decided to say, you know what? I'm going to be a part of this family. I'm going to be bound together uh, through what Jesus has done, how he's brought me here. And so we like to welcome them. We like to what we call install new members. And so we want to welcome three people uh, into our church body. And so if you'll come up here, when I call your name Victor Gamez, Praise the Lord. So glad to have you. Victor goes way back with the church to youth group. And uh, lots of things have happened in in between there, but came back and God is doing amazing things in his life. Amen. Marianne Simonson. Praise the Lord. Marianne came to us from Alaska. And uh, praise the Lord. And uh, glory to God. Shay Emery, Uh, so if she's watching, uh, we're installing Shay. She wasn't able to be here today, and uh, so pray for her. She wasn't feeling very well today. We want to bring her in. Why don't you all stand up? Why don't you all come a little bit closer? We want to pray over you. The vision of New Creation Church is that every member find their place, be in their place, and in that, we see the splendor of God, the glory of God, the power of God start to be manifest through the local church body. And in that glory of God coming and manifesting in people's gifts in their lives together, we begin to possess the land or we begin to have a great influence in our valley. And so as they come, our our prayer for them is that they begin to really see and understand where God has placed them. And in that, they begin to see and unfold the gifts of God in them, where they become more productive and how the glory of God uh, and the power of God would be seen in their lives in connection with the church to reach out to others Uh, That otherwise they might not see or know, uh, but God leads them to, and they're able to, and are trained to reach out to them and bring the glory of God to them. So why don't you stretch out your hands as we pray for them. Father, we just thank you so much. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we open up our arms and we welcome them into this local church body. Father, even as we look at it, we understand that it's a covenant relationship, that your blood was shed for each and every one of us that we might not only have a relationship with you, but we might be drawn into your body and have a relationship with the members of your body. And in this local church body, that relation with the full membership, but there will be relationships specific to developing gifts and bringing their gift as a supply to others in different areas. And so, Father, we thank you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of their heart would be flooded with light that they might know what is that expectation of your calling as you brought them here. They'd begin to see places that they can put their hand to. And as they do, God, you prosper that, you bless that. And in laying their hand to something that they may know or not know is is part of their gifting, it will, through diligence at applying themselves, begin to open up the very gifts that you've placed within their lives. And in those graces and gifts, they begin to abound and to grow and become more powerful in the anointing that you've placed upon their life. And we thank you because of that many, many lives over the period of time will be affected, influenced, and reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we receive them in. We pray for the grace that is upon this place to come upon them, the favor, the divine influence, and the ability of God from this place to empower them to do what you called and develop into what you've called them to be and why you called them into this local church body. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give them a hand. I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and just go outside, right out there in the foyer on either side. And when you all go out, just shake their hands, greet them, welcome them into the local church body. Even if you've seen them before, they've been around for a little bit. But welcome them again. Embrace them uh, because they're part of your church family. Amen. You guys go out before the aisles are blocked there. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Again, if you need prayer, altar workers will be up here.